What is next for the Texas Longhorns after falling short to the Washington Huskies in the Sugar Bowl? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. And remember, terms and conditions do apply. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are answering the question, what is I fully expected this week to be previewing Texas versus Michigan or Texas versus Alabama, but they lost. So I had to get creative with the content. So once again, what is next for Texas? There's going to be a lot of moving parts in the offseason now that that has started, you know, for the Longhorns. A lot of players that will be moving on uh, to the NFL draft, a lot of players that have exhausted their eligibility and some players that are deciding, you know, what is best for them. In 2024, excuse me, should they move on to the NFL or should they stay at the University of Texas for another year? Right. And so what does that mean? For the Texas Longhorns football team in 2024, we kind of go position by position and do an outlook on each one heading into the 2024 season. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a step back and you know talk about yesterday's episode. I posted why the Texas Longhorns lost to uh, the Washington Huskies, and I got some really good feedback on the episode, really good viewership, really good comments. Um, and I want to say thank you to all of the Washington fans that have shown love and support over the last month, really, on the channel, but especially on yesterday's episode. A lot of really good um, you know comments from the Washington fans on my um, analysis and commentary, a lot of nice words, really good things said, and so I appreciate that. I know that you know, we've played each other twice, probably won't play each other again for a long time, but you're welcome to stay as long as you want to. Right. And then shout out to all the Texas fans that really have supported me from day one and helped me, you know, get to this point, help get the you know channel and podcast to this point. Not every Texas fan agreed with my commentary yesterday. I lost some subscribers, you know, definitely. But I gained them all back and then some, you know, from Washington and, you know, Texas fans as well. So, um, you know, just thank you to, like I said, you know, everybody who has supported, um, you know, I try to pride myself on telling it how it is, you know, telling it how I feel, regardless of who it may affect, being truthful, and for the most part, being unbiased. But I host Locked on Longhorns, right? I believe Burn Orange, so sometimes it's hard. Uh, but it was a really good episode yesterday. I think if you ever had a chance to check it out, please go do so. And go check out the comments. Like I said, a lot of fans left some really insightful, you know, analysis on why they thought Washington won or why they thought Texas lost. So, you know, go check out the comment section. You might learn something. On today's episode, we are talking about what is next for Texas. And um, you know, now that the offseason has started, there's going to be a lot of moving parts. This was a veteran laden team, right? You had a lot of fourth, fifth and sixth year seniors um, that had huge impacts on this Texas football team. A lot of starters and players uh, that were holdovers from the Tom Herman era or the last class that he you know, primarily recruited. And so, you know, with those players moving on, what is the outlook outlook for the 2024 football team? You also have some players who still have some eligibility left, but are heavily considering moving on to the NFL draft, right? So do they return? If they do, how does the team look in that case? And if they move on, right, how does the team look with that next man up mentality? You know, who is behind them to take the reins at that spot position by position? So that's going to be the gist of today's episode. And I think the biggest priority for this Texas football team, and we'll start at the quarterback position because it involves the quarterback position, is is Quinn Ewers returning 
for the 2024 season or will he be declaring for the NFL draft? In the latter part of the season, we heard a lot of chatter that Quinn Ewers was leaning towards returning for the 2024 season. Um, and I think even at one point, Pete Thamel reported that there was you know, a 90% chance that Quinn Ewers would return to Texas for the 2024 season. But of course, you know, that decision was going to come down to, you know, how the season played out, right? And how he played. And, you know, I think right now he's mulling that decision. Um, between himself and his family. And I think that, you know, Quinn Ewers would be the first to tell you that he could have played better in the Sugar Bowl. And I think based on that performance, it's more than likely that Quinn Ewers will return for the 2024 season. But of course, Steve Sarkeesian and the football team need to figure that out. I've had my criticisms of Quinn Ewers, but most of my criticisms of Quinn Ewers come from my high expectations of Quinn Ewers, right? I just have really high standards for him. And I think, you know, based on my conversations I have with some Texas fans, I think my standards and expectations for Quinn Ewers may be a little bit higher than most, right? He has all the talent in the world, right? And he can make all of the NFL throws with that right arm, right? And so I expect Quinn Ewers with all of the talent around him and with Steve Sarkeesian pulling the strings to play at an elite level or borderline elite level week in and week out in college football, right? And I just think there's been a lot of inconsistency that should not be characteristic of Quinn Ewers at this point, right? I know that, you know, he's in year two and he's still developing, of course, right? But I think that, you know, talent level and with everything around him, he should be able to play at the highest level week in and week out in college football and be compared to, and rightfully so, the best quarterbacks in college football. And so I think another year for Quinn Ewers, we should start to see that at a more consistent level week in and week out. And like I said, I've had my criticisms from of him, but it just comes from having high standards. But I think most Texas fans would agree that best case scenario for the Texas Longhorns going into the 2024 season is Quinn Ewers as your starting quarterback rather than Arch Manning, who is all world in terms of talent. But he would be a redshirt freshman starting for the first time. And you would expect some growing pains in a very important year for the Longhorns in 2024 in the SEC. So, you know, like I said, I've had my criticisms of Quinn Ewers, but they come from my really high standards of Quinn Ewers. But I think year three, Quinn would be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And he could maintain the level um, that, you know, Texas played at this year, even going into a tougher conference in the SEC. If you have that stability at the quarterback position with a more polished version of Quinn Ewers in year three at the running back position. I think you found something, um, you know, you had B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Uh, then you had Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter. And I now think, you know, going into the 2024 season, Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue are one of the best running back tandems in the country. You know, there's been some chatter about Jonathan Brooks. Will he come back? Um, I don't think he should come back. I don't think that's the smart decision for him. And I also think that with him tearing his ACL in November, he probably didn't have surgery on it until end of November, early December. I just really don't see a way he can come back and be a factor for this football team next year. Right. I mean, that's a year recovery. And even after that year, it takes a while for you to get back on the football field and play with confidence and at a high level. And at that point, you know, Texas will be finishing out their season, getting ready for the playoffs. So do you even risk trying to put Jonathan Brooks in there and, you know, giving him a bunch of touches at the end of the season? So it just really doesn't make sense for me in terms of Jonathan Brooks coming back or being a huge factor on this football team. But of course, I'll support any decision he makes. But in terms of Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue, like I said, I think that's one of the best and most talented tandems in the country. And they've really, you know, shown themselves, you know, to be, you know, really talented and productive running back since Jonathan Brooks went down and tore his ACL and they complement each other perfectly. Right. Cedric Baxter is the perfect running back you want for that inside zone, you know, downhill, decisive, one cut physical running back. And then Jaden Blue, whether it's a run or a pass, wherever he gets his hands on the ball, 
wherever on the field, right? He's a threat to, you know, take it to the end zone and hit his head on the goalpost. So um, Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue complement each other perfectly, right? And I think they're one of the best running back tandems in the country going into next season. And then I'm not sure how much we'll utilize a third running back, but there's so much talent in that room with Savion Red, Trey Wisner, Jarrett Gibson, and Christian Clark as true freshmen. So I expect a very strong running game at the 40 acres in 2024. At the wide receiver position, I think it's a question mark, right? not in terms of talent, but you really don't have any high-end players that have produced at the University of Texas, right, in a Texas jersey. You got Matthew Golden, who, you know, I think has over the last two seasons at Houston put up over 900 uh, receiving yards and 15 receiving touchdowns, a couple, you know, return touchdowns as well, but he's yet to produce anything in a Texas jersey, right? And he would have, at this point, no chemistry with Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning. So that's something that has to be developed if Matthew Golden is going to be one of our uh, more productive receivers in 2024. And then Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore, you know, two top 100 recruits in their class. We haven't seen a ton of production from them on the field as well. So whether it's Quinn Ewers coming back or, you know, whether it's Arch Manning going into next season, you are likely losing your top three to four pass catchers on this football team. And even though we have a ton of talent in that room, and that's not even mentioning, you know, Ryan Wingo or, Ryan Niblett, you know, Parker Livingstone players like that. We have not seen any of these players produce on the football field at the University of Texas. And so I think that's a question mark. Now, you know, you would rather have this group of talent, <laughs> you know, than most other groups uh, in the country. But like I said, we just haven't seen it on the football field um, this year. So if, in fact, Adonai Mitchell um, and Jordan Whittington both leave, Xavier, Xavier Worthy has already declared, then you're looking at three new starters on this football team. And I'm not sure how productive they'll be, especially out of the gate, you know, determining that chemistry between Matthew Golden, Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, and Arch Manning, or Quinn Ewers if he returns for the 2024 season. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we continue our position-by-position position outlook for the 2024 football team. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What is the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is just, isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one in the country in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, moving on to the tight end position. I think that you need to do a full court press to see if you can get Jatavian Sanders to return, right? Based on Adonai Mitchell's comments after the Sugar Bowl, it was a lot of past tense, right? And he's been getting first round grades, you know, for his performance this season. It really doesn't make a lot of sense for him to return, right? Unless he's just hell bent on. Um, winning a national championship at the University of Texas, but he's already got two rings on his fingers. So I would expect him to move on um, to the National Football League. And then, of course, you know, Jordan Whittington has exhausted his eligibility at this point, so he'll be moving on. If you lose Jatavian Sanders and Quinn Ewers returns, he will have lost his top four passing 
you know, targets from this season. All right. And so I think you need to do a full court press on Jatavian Sanders. I also just don't think that we've ever fully utilized Jatavian Sanders to his potential. Right. Like he's had, you know, great flashes and, you know, he's already breaking some records in terms of the tight end position at the University of Texas. But I want to just see for one year, like we utilize Jatavian Sanders the way he should be utilized because he's a mismatch problem on every play. All right. And it just it just feels like, you know, there was games where we heavily target him, you know, and then there's other games where he's kind of just there. Right. Even in the Sugar Bowl, like we didn't really start, you know, heavily targeting JT Sanders into the second half. And that's one of the biggest reasons why Texas made that game interesting. Right. Because he's such a mismatch problem and they cannot cover him one on one. So, you know, I think that, you know, that would be a huge blow for Quinn coming back if he lost his top four targets. And I think bringing Jatavian Sanders uh, back at that position next year would soften that blow for Quinn Ewers. And you would just have one of the most talented players in the country at the second most important position in this offense per Steve Sarkeesian. Also, when you look at it, I have a ton of faith in Gunnar Helm and Quinn Ewers does have some rapport with Gunnar Helm, you know, being able to throw the ball to him the last couple of years. But Texas still thrives so much in the 12 personnel with the two tight ends and the power run, right? And Gunnar Helm would be your starting tight end next year, but then who's behind him? You got Spencer Shannon, Will Randall, you know, Jordan Washington. You have some really talented players behind him, you know, but we don't have any player behind Gunnar Helm that we've seen any type of legitimate production from. So, you know, like I said, it would be tougher when you were to come in next year um, and develop chemistry with four new targets, you know. And so I think that Sark and this football team should do a full court press on trying to get Jatavian Sanders to return. One, because he's one of the best players and one of the biggest mismatch problems in the country. Two, you know, I think that we can utilize him in a way next year that we really haven't been able to over the last two seasons. And three, I have question marks about our two tight ends and 12 personnel if Jatavian Sanders moves on. I think Gunnar Helm is a solid option in one of those spots. I just don't know who would occupy the other one. I think it would be better for everybody involved. It depends on, obviously, what the NFL is telling Jatavian Sanders. But I think it could do him a lot of good and, of course, everybody else on this football team really good if he was able to come back for the 2024 season. When you look at the offensive line, you should be able to return four of five starters, which is best case scenario going into the 2024 season. Obviously, you're going to lose Kristen Jones. He's exhausted all of his eligibility, but you have all world left tackle returning um, Kelvin Banks. Hayden Connor will be a true senior. You know, I don't see any re uh, reason why he would leave the University of Texas. So you would have continuity there at the left guard position. If not, you have Cole Hudson, who has started a lot of uh, games and played a lot of reps for this football team that could slide in right there. Uh, I think Jake Majors would be a redshirt senior you know same thing I don't see any reason for him to leave the University of Texas so you have continuity all the way from the left side to the middle DJ Campbell really came on this year and was strong in terms of run blocking for this football team I think in another year he can be even better at that right guard position so from left tackle to right guard you have one to two even three years in some cases of continuity on that starting offensive line and then at right tackle you have Cam Williams who have now have been uh, you know, in this program for the third year, or you have true freshman five-star Brandon Baker, who is all world and could come in on that right side, the same way that Kelvin Banks came in as a true freshman on that left side. But the most important thing is that at least, you know, going into next season, you should be able to return four out of five offensive line starters at least. All right. You know, and um, that's really good, you know, going into 
you know, the 2024 season in the SEC. And we saw, you know, for the most part, the majority of the season, this offensive line was dominant. So I think another year of Kelvin Banks, another year of Hayden Connor, another year of Jake Majors, another year of DJ Campbell, regardless of who you put at the right tackle spot, you have to expect that the Texas Longhorns will have one of the best offensive lines in the country in the 2024 season. Moving over to the defensive side, I'm going to start with edge, right? And edge is something that that position that we've gotten production from, but we haven't gotten the high end uh, production from for years at the University of Texas. And based on the recruiting, we're starting to bring in those high end prospects that, you know, are really difference makers at the edge position. I've said it a million times. I say it all the times on the podcast, but you know, the three premium positions in football are the quarterback, the person that throws the ball, the, you know, left or right tackle, the person that protects the quarterback's blind side and the edge rusher, right. In the modern era of football, those are the three most premium positions, right? And Texas is recruiting those positions at a high level, especially at edge. You bring in Trey Moore, you would have to expect him to, you know, be a starter or a heavy contributor at that position next year, over 22 and a half sacks the last two years, 14 this last season at UTSA, um, the number one edge in the portal who committed to the University of Texas. So I think you can plug and play him right away as a high impact starter off the edge for this Texas football team. And then, you know, Colin Simmons, two-time state champion in football, one-time state champion in basketball um, at the edge position, a top, you know, 20 recruit, one of the best players at that position in the country, you know, not just in the state of Texas. If he plays, if he comes in and shows all of those traits that he did at Duncanville, then I think he'll have an inside track to start, you know, across Trey Moore. But you still have a ton of talent at that position either way with Ethan Burt, Colton Vasek, Tassili Akana. It's just, you know, a bunch of players that could come in and provide depth. You'll still have, you know, Justice Finkley. Um, like I said, a lot of players that can come in off the bench and, you know, stop the run at that position or provide a pass rush for you. So Trey Moore and Colin Simmons look like they could be your starters next year. They could bring back, you know, Ethan Burke as a starter and Colin Simmons can be a rotational piece. But either way, it seems as though the edge position will take a huge jump in terms of talent and production at the 40 acres next year. And they're going to have to because you're losing so much right huge losses literally at the defensive tackle position right based on two all-american seasons from byron murphy and tavondre sweat their stock will never be higher right i'm pretty sure tavondre sweat has exhausted his eligibility not sure but byron murphy it would make sense for him to move on as well big 12 defensive lineman of the year and just what he put on tape this year you know he made himself uh, a lot of money and those are you know huge like i said literally shoes to fill right and i'm not sure that based on what we have right now on the roster we can say oh, those players will step in and do what Tavondre Sweater, Byron Murphy did in the 2024 season. Now, you do have some talent, you know, in Vernon Broughton, Sidir Mitchell, and Trill Carter. Uh, you would expect, you know, those guys to be the, you know, majority of your rotation in the 2024 season. And, you know, you're just hoping that, you know, obviously, like I said, I don't expect them to be Byron Murphy or Tavondre Sweat, but you're hoping that they can step in and be plus players at a very important position for the Longhorns in 2024 moving into the SEC. One player I'm looking at that I think potentially could crash that rotation, even as a true freshman and be huge for the Texas Longhorns is DeAndre Robinson, right? The the player that finally got his fourth star out of the the fourth star out of the state of Florida had 60 offers when he was a three-star um, just a difference maker right in a game plan record out down there in the state of Florida playing against a bunch of blue chip athletes right and so I think that he's a sneaky player type prospect that could come in day one at the University of Texas in a rotation right now that has some question marks and can step in and be an impact player so you know Vernon Broughton, Sadir Mitchell, Trill Carter definitely some talent in that room I think they can be plus players for the Texas Longhorns but I think you're looking for another player you know that can be in that rotation and consistently provide an impact for the Texas Longhorns. And my guess or my vote, right, my early hot take is that player could be true freshman 
DeAndre Robinson. When you look at the linebacker position, um, you know, you're going to be losing, you know, Jalen Ford, and you're likely going to be losing David Bender as well. Um, we have seen the emergence of Anthony Hill, right? And I think that, you know, Pekakowski showed this year, you know, with Anthony Hill's talent, there's so many different ways you can use him, right? If you want to use him, you know, off the edge as an edge rusher, if you want to use him as an off-ball linebacker, you know, running sideline to sideline, if you want to use him as a middle linebacker, kind of, you know, being that quarterback of the defense and Manny down the middle of the field, whatever you want to do, Anthony Hill can do at a high level because he's just extremely talented. And, and I'm really excited to see him in a bigger role next year as your primary um, linebacker. I think we heard a ton in the offseason about how Leonga LaFowle was coming on um, really well, um, and they just didn't have the opportunity for him to make a huge impact this season. But what we're losing at the linebacker position, I would expect uh, Leonga LaFowle to be a huge part of this football team next year. And then as your third linebacker, right, when you do have three linebackers on the field, um, I'm not sure if there'll be a converted safety, you know, like they had Mo Blackwell, or if they'll use another linebacker, you know, like a Darion Galed or, you know, uh, Samaj Burrell, um, you know, something like that. But I do know that Anthony Hill <laughs> will be, your, you know, number one linebacker next year. And he looks like he will be a star in that role. And I expect Neonga LaFowle uh, to step in kind of as that off ball linebacker um, and be a very impactful player for this Texas football team next year as well. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we get out of here talking about the Texas secondary, right? I have, you know, obviously based on what we saw in the sugar bowl, that's a huge, you know, question mark going into 2024, but I think we have a really good outlook on the back end going into next season. All right, so we're going to start with the cornerback position. I would expect that, you know, Ryan Watts is going to move on or, you know, I just really don't see a scenario in which Ryan Watts would come back to the University of Texas or be a starter um, next year. But he was really good for the Longhorns the last two seasons. Gavin Holmes might stick around, but I don't really project or see him as a starter going into next season. Um, Terrence Brooks didn't have the season that I thought he would have, right? I thought that he would take that next step and, you know, really be a big physical lockdown corner. And I think he was good for the most part, you know, throughout the season. I mean, we won 13 games, <laughs> you know, or did we win 12? 11 and 1, 12. Or I guess we went 12 and 2. So we won 12 games. So, you know, obviously he was, you know, more good than bad. But, you know, I just don't think that he took that next step as a number one lockdown corner like I would expect. And so I think he's still a projected starter going into next year. But with all of the talent and the depth in this room, um, you know, that we have going into next season, I think that Terrence Brooks spot could be up for grabs, right? Just based on um, him not taking that step into bona fide number one lockdown corner, not saying that he has to be right. But like I said, when you have so much talent in that room, even Ryan Watts essentially lost his job this year. Right. And we know what he was able to do for the last two years for the Longhorns. I know that he was injured, you know, for the majority of the season, but really Malik Muhammad just came on and took his spot. So, um, you know, there's a chance that could happen to Terrence Brooks, but I hope not because he's a really talented player. Hope that year three could be the year that he puts it all together. Malik Muhammad, I thought that he did a lot of really good football, a uh, lot of really good things for this football team in 2023 as a true freshman. And I would expect him to be able to take that next step and, you know, kind of be that number one lockdown corner uh for the university of texas and pete Kikowski. he's a technician right he's really good in coverage and even in the sugar bowl you know unless i missed it you know i haven't watched like the all 22 or anything but i didn't see any plays where i felt like malik muhammad was just getting you know cooked out there and really he almost made a, a an exceptional game change in play 
on that Jalen Polk touchdown uh, where he, you know, almost got two hands on it, came off his defender or his zone responsibility and came across the middle and almost took that ball away in terms of uh, interception. So he's a playmaker on the back end, a technician in coverage. I mean, I think we're really solid with him at one of our corner spots. And then in the nickel um, or the star position, there's a lot of talk that, you know, Andrew Makuba, you know, the safety from Clemson will come in and, you know, take over for Jade Mirren in that role, which makes a ton of sense because, you know, that nickel corner or star position is essentially what a safety does anyway, right? You ask your safety to cover deep, you're going to ask your star position to cover deep at times. You're going to ask your safety to come down in the box and help with run support and play around the line of scrimmage. That's what the star position is going to do as well, right? Cover those tight ends and running backs and receivers in the slot. So, a lot of what we're asking modern safeties to do, especially around the line of scrimmage, is what we asked Jade Barron to do at the star position. And I think Andrew Makuba can come in and, and do that really well. But if we're going to leave a corner in that position, then you have Jalen Gilbo, who has experience there. You have Austin Jordan, who has experience there. And then, of course, you're bringing in really talented corners like Santana Wilson, uh, Kobe Black, and Wardell Mack, who should compete for uh, playing time in their true freshman seasons, just like Malik Muhammad did this year. So, um, so much talent in that room. I think that will be better, you know, at the cornerback position than we were this past year. But I think you do have to determine outside of Malik Muhammad, I think he's locked in as a starter, who will be your other two starters at that corner position, right? Do you bring back Terrence Brooks and, you know, expect a year three jump? Or do you turn to some of the younger talent in that room who they've recently recruited in the 2023 and 2024 classes? And then at safety, I think this is a bit of a question mark. Um, you know, you're going to be losing Jaron Thompson, you know, Michael Taff and Keaton Crawford. You know, I think we'll, we'll still be on the roster. But based on what we saw from the safety position this year, I'm not sure how much confidence or faith, uh, you know, the staff will have in those two players playing a big time role. I think that Derek Williams is for the most part, locked into a huge role for next year. And I think that with Xavier Filsami coming in um, as a five-star safety, if we don't have Andrew Makuba playing in that traditional role and he's playing more um, as kind of like a nickel corner around the line of scrimmage, then I could see a scenario in which Derek Williams and Xavier Filsami are your two starting safeties going into next season. And I think when you add, even though these are younger players, you're adding a lot more athleticism and speed on the field. And I think really that was just kind of the downfall of the secondary. It's not that they weren't great, you know, in coverage or they didn't know what was going on or they were just lost out there. A lot of times it just came down to, you know, receivers being more athletic than who we have in the back end. And so I think if you can increase the speed and athleticism that Texas has in the secondary, that'll go a long way in shoring up one of the worst pass defenses in college football we saw this year. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.